MSW Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Back to teacher quit talk. I'm Frats. I'm redacted, and we are here with Maggie, um, millennial Miss Frizzle. Woo! Welcome to the podcast, Maggie. We're thrilled to have you. I really am. I'm really excited about this. You know this, but everybody else should know that I'm obsessed with Maggie because Maggie is what I want to be, but do not have the knowledge to be. And here's what I mean by that. Maggie is like a a wealth of knowledge. Like she actually knows the research and science and data behind things that I feel in my heart to be true, but have no proof. I just am like, this is my truth. And Maggie is like, no, I'm going to be a doctor. And here's why I know it's true. So the kind of people we need, the intuition, we're like, probably that's true. And then someone's like, it is, we studied it. She could get better with presenting it. But tell us about yourself. Sure. I mean, it's super validating to have things go from a feeling in your heart and like an intuition and then to not just be you. And then also to hear it on TikTok, other people's experiences. And then also, also furthermore to be like, wait, this is a well-researched body of knowledge. So it's literally validating. And I do love that for us on the internet. Let's see. I'm 30 years old. I am a former teacher. This is my first year ever not teaching. And I still feel weird. It's like reverse butterflies when I say that, when I say I'm a former teacher. Oof. I was a middle school and a high school teacher, and I also dabbled at the university level for a little while when I was a full-time PhD student. Primarily, I taught ELA in social studies, and I loved both of those things. And I've taught in several states, lots of districts, um, private and public settings. So anything I talk about comes with a lot of back history and it's not been something that happened in just one place it is deeply systemic so then this past spring i was like ew this is the final ick and i am like out forever so i began to transition out um a couple doors hit me on the way out and i'm almost ready to talk about all of those things but i i will share as much as i can share i guess was there a final ick like was there one moment where you just got the ick so bad (sighs) yeah i did talk about it a little bit today on tiktok my final ick was probably lack of support from administration it was parent stuff and it was student behavior all at once i had been out um sick actually sick and while i was gone some very brave people wrote anonymous messages on my whiteboard and I just walked into that when I came back and they had written really misogynistic scripture verses because I was teaching at a religious school at the time and one of them was like thou shall not permit a witch to live and the other one was a woman shall have no dominion over a man and I took a picture of it and I walked out the door and I texted it to my principal and I said I do not feel safe in this building and I will not be back until this has been resolved um I did post that on TikTok 
talk also, I was just like, imagine being cowardly enough to write misogynistic weaponized scripture on your female teacher's whiteboard. Plot twist, the principal replies and he's like, yeah, I wrote it, so read it and wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went and I sat in a cafe and I applied for jobs and I just rehashed my entire vision for my life. And I was like, I can't be in a building where a student thinks that they can do that. It wasn't just that kid, it wasn't just that building. It's the whole thing. It could have been me as a science teacher. It could have been me as an ELA teacher. It could have been a banned book. I don't know what it could have been, but that was the other shoe that finally dropped. And I was like, this is not a safe place for teachers to be teachers anymore because I knew everything that was going to happen after that. I knew it was going to happen. And I was like, I'm just done. Yeah. I mean, like if they feel comfortable enough to write that on a teacher's whiteboard in school, why? What is it about the environment that enables students to feel comfortable doing things like that? Especially at a higher grade level, because I think it's like with younger kids, I think they're really testing their boundaries of like what things are appropriate and what settings. And they're still trying to navigate differences between like home, school, the grocery store, and like how you act different in different places. But at a high school level, like, or even a, like a middle school level, like this is not your first rodeo, my friend. Like this, you know that that's not what we do here. Like, or at least you should know that, exactly what you're saying. If they've gotten to that point, it's not that they didn't know better. It's that they know they didn't need to do better. Yes. It's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happened after? Was there a consequence? I feel like I know the answer to this, but I must ask. The principal was like, this is grounds for expulsion. And like, just let me know what you want to do. And I was like, that's a really, ex like, I'm not going to have this kid expelled because I'm the teacher who had a kid expelled, right? So I was like, I need some space space, which I did. I had the kind of like a week of administrative leave to just kind of sort out my shit. Are we allowed to cuss? Do we cuss? Oh, oh yes. Very heavily. Great. Okay. So I just had to sit in it and sort it out. And um, then I did decide to come back and the student made a really big show about crying while apologizing and being dramatic and all of this. And then um, I was sitting in the principal's office as one does with the student and his mom and the principal. And then they go through all this apology. And then the principal is like, is there anything else you would like to say? to me and he's waiting for me to apologize for posting this TikTok because the mom had brought screenshots of the TikTok um, with her to the meeting and said that um, I had shamed her student. Maybe he deserved it. <laughs> First of all, maybe he fucking deserved it. Mm -hmm. He's grown. Like this this child was 17. It's like he's fine. Like he's grown. He knew what he did. So <laughs> the principal was like, is there anything else you would like to say? And I was like, I'm just so glad that, you know, we were able to have this conversation. <laughs> And he's like, is there anything else that you would like to say? And then we just looked at each other for a really long time. <laughs> I don't remember what happened after that, but I was just like, is the it's the actual audacity on the table. Like it's just And like I would get expecting an apology from you if you were like, look what this kid, full government name, full home address, did on my board. But you just posted about an experience that you had there with no identifying information. Yeah. Like it's not like if anyone Googles that kid later in his life. Life. this is what's right. going to be that comes up like it it quite literally is not that deep no. and the mom was like my son is not a misogynist he is not a coward and I was like he did some really misogynistic and cowardly shit so that's why I wrote imagine being so misogynistic and cowardly that you weaponize Christian scripture at your private religious school anonymously against your teacher yeah like, what clown behavior to write a check to that school and then go in there and have to have that meeting and then still take your kid's side and then write another check to the school yeah I can't I'm just so sorry like how dare he and how dare that mother I mean we really need to 
make sure that we're helping our children stay accountable for their shit. We're raising global citizens who are going to have to be in the world and we all mess up and we all make bad choices. I mean, I've never weaponized scripture against my teachers. (laughs) It's never too late. Day ain't over yet. No, but like that's the moment where you help your kid make a better choice um, before it becomes something where it is Googleable. That's not going to follow him, but what choice is he going to make on the internet? What choice is he going to make in college on some message board? You know, you just never know where it's going to go. So I'm just like disgusted that she wouldn't do the right thing there. Also woman to woman, yeah. you know? Because yeah, like- her son holds that belief and lives in her house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is not who we raised him to be. And I was like, well, I think it is, it's actually. who he is. So you kind of flopped, I guess. I love when parents say that. The evidence has <laughs> said otherwise. Who did? Somebody broke into your home and raised your child to be a massage. It was me. She's <laughs> <laughs> a wheeze. You know, sometimes if we don't laugh, we cry. But I don't mean to, like, minimize your experiences. <laughs> it was really awful. Yeah. I'm glad you're out of there. Me too. Yeah. I'm just happy every day now. And it feels weird weird to like remember what it's like to be happy because you didn't realize how fucking depressed you were until you start feeling happy again and you're like oh shit oh that God. Was, that, I... you're like that was not that chill like looking back probably should not have been there that long yeah I was not well I yet. mean I can't tell you how many people have said to me that they realize now what a fog they were in and I think that's true of so many situations so many of us experience mental health challenges like myself you know you come out of depression and you're like I had no idea that I was in that place until I felt like myself again um just coming out of the postpartum season I can tell you for sure like it's sometimes drastic but especially teachers you know we've had a guest on here who likened it to being in an abusive relationship I've seen TikToks of people comparing just the way that their face looked or their body looked you know you're hunched over you're minimizing yourself your skin your hair are not their best because you're not taking care of yourself like you just don't look like you look like a shell of a person when you're in that space in school and then you come out on the other side and you're like glowing and taking up space and your posture is improved you know like you can just see yeah the difference so I'm sure so many of our listeners like that resonates with them I think like a lot of the conditions of teaching like make you look (laughs) shitty and I mean that with all the peace and love in the world because like a lot of times you're not getting enough sleep you're not drinking enough water you're spending large amounts of time being very physically active but not in an exercise way in like a bad for your body way you're spending a lot of time looking at a screen especially with lesson planning things like that like there's so many elements of the job that um like with a lot of jobs are that way but a lot of shitty jobs exist in the world unfortunately where you it does take a physical toll on you Mm -hmm. It does. Another element of that is like the lack of access to autonomy and freedom. Mm -hmm. Other people who maybe stare at a computer all day, they have a really fast paced job. Like these other jobs do exist. They can't take breaks to eat so much or whatever, but they do have autonomy in kind of how they do it. So like my husband works from home and he has a fast paced demanding job, but then he also gets to like walk our dog or like cuddle with our dog or like go downstairs and make a real meal in the privacy of his own home. He doesn't have to schedule when he poops around his students. Like the freedom is 
what we missed as teachers. You do get to eat sometimes. You do get to pee sometimes, but it's always on someone else's schedule. And over time, that's like the trauma from like the comparison to an abusive relationship. It's like maybe you do get to go on vacation, but you're surveilled the whole time. What you're wearing, what you're saying, like the abuser is present. And so you don't have freedom and it may look like you're fine, but you're not. Teachers, we have to not only look like we're fine, but we have to look like we enjoy it because we're expected to be pleasant and cute and subservient and give ourselves. I mean, we're all women here. Like it's so much different for female teachers than male teachers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people understand that. Yeah, I think like the element of performance in teaching, I think it's so similar to an abusive relationship. I was like thinking about this the other day, actually, just in regards to my own past, because I was talking about how when I was in an abusive relationship, I used to have a Baja blast every day. And that was like my one moment of peace was my Baja and I was thinking about I was like I was like driving past Taco Bell and I was like oh that's the trauma Taco Bell and like even though the Taco Bell had nothing to do with that like when you're in that situation how it leeches into every other aspect of your life and I think that's true of teaching as well how it's such an identifier and then people ask you about it outside of work and then everyone wants their opinion about their kid and it just starts to consume you like you said and you just like lose your autonomy of who you are Mm -hmm. as yourself Mm -hmm. and you become this performative character Mm -hmm. of teacher not just for your students but a lot of times for like randos yes Yes. and it's even fetishized like sexy teacher i am so glad you said that because that's where i want to go next but first i want everyone to drop in the comments their emotional support taco (laughs) bell experience because i'm gonna take a sharp left and just go towards that really quickly i in college had a severe eating disorder and i ate taco bell that was all i ate and that was my safe food and it continues to be so i just i think we all can relate taco bell will carry you through your darkest times like when no one is there for you Mm -hmm. even yourself you know who's there for you the bell always the bell let us take a moment just to bond in that human experience um they're in trauma (laughs) yes but i'm so glad that you brought up the fetishization of teaching Teachers, uh, my lisp absolutely will not let me say that word correctly. I'm not even going to go try again. And you mentioned being cute. You talked about Redacted it being a performance. And I was just wondering, like, how you feel that social media feeds into that expectation and social norm. Because I think it's something that we all are very aware of as teachers. You know, that, that game on social media. I mean, so I'm 30, which means that when I started teaching, Instagram was brand new. And we didn't yet have, like, Instagram culture around teachers there certainly was the idea of having a theme for your classroom and like your classroom being cute and at that point it really was centered for me at least around student needs like making a welcoming space so I went like full nerd I had a Harry Potter classroom like it was over the top Harry Potter my teacher bestie has a Harry Potter classroom and me and her hung all the little candles from the ceiling with fishing lines so that it looks like the I love a Harry Potter classroom even though I know nothing about Harry Potter sorry continue yeah so it was just like that was my thing it wasn't like like we had pinterest but we didn't have like pinterest classrooms like there was no boho unicorn stuff going on and it was just like go with your gut i don't know i think as more and more people started showing up on instagram what they're looking for really is connecting with other teachers because we're so isolated in our buildings but what it evolved into is this like capitalistic neoliberal comparison thing where you've got people who are walking into a space and they may like at their heart be feminist they may be collaborative they may be showing up for the right reasons but then it begins to escalate and then we re-enter this game of comparison where you can buy things and create a persona so that the appearance of it is that you are enough 
and we as teachers want to be enough and we want to be validated and so in this type of world we can get validated on the internet by looking and being a certain way mm-hmm. absolutely i remember and i've talked about this before when i started my journey on social media i wanted to be the antithesis of that in a lot of ways not the antithesis of like seeking connection and like bonding with other teachers but in the sense that i felt so isolated by the perfection that I saw in that cuteness and like I saw other teachers having connection for looking a certain way having their classroom decorated a certain way doing certain things and I was like a first year teacher who just felt like a complete failure because I wasn't single-handedly creating the Ron Clark Academy in my classroom I don't know if we're gonna get sued for saying that maybe I should bleep it but like (laughs) I wanted to find community in the aspect of teaching where like we're not all perfect this isn't reality and you are still enough and you are still a good teacher even if you're not what you think you should be based on social media so Mm -hmm. and I do think that TikTok helps that I especially when I got started would be like TikTok is connection authenticity and Instagram is isolation and perfection and like I've since softened my viewpoint like I definitely have gotten off of the like eh, Instagram is evil like I, I've gotten off of that but I'm on um, a big tirade to make Instagram casual again I miss when everyone just posted like a picture of a diet coke with the Valencia filter and like it got like four likes I think we need to return to that what are reels what's an explore page what is a story no yeah. back to basics yeah. give me the Valencia filter we were this generation of like we had Tumblr and then we had MySpace and then we were like, what if we did both of them at the same time on Instagram? Yeah, like, uh, But we can't HTML code our backgrounds. Unfortunately at work, I have to HTML code. And when they hired me, they asked if I had any experience and I had to look at them and say, yeah, from doing my Tumblr page. Absolutely. I want to hear more about like, cause you have worked in multiple grade levels, multiple schools, multiple districts, and we haven't had a ton of people on the podcast that have had that experience. So what are some repeat problems that you noticed that are happening in lots of places that have either come up in the same way or different ways or whatever? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say a common thread is there are no consequences anywhere for anything. Like everything can just be vanished or brushed away or being like, that's not a big deal. Like kids who are like violent at school, like and I'm talking like middle school and high schoolers, like people who have violent tendencies or are going to be soon, nothing ever really happens or chronic supply shortages. Like making copies is a really universal way to discuss this. I've had schools where you um, had to bring your own paper to the copier but they distributed the paper to you but you got it rationed out like one ream a week and this is when I was teaching 120 students social studies you can't do a fucking dbq with one ream a week like I had to request special paper for my dbqs and they were like monitor it like it was you know sugar during world war ii what a reference no because that's literally the perfect reference because they literally used to give people little ration books and the government would be like bitch what are you using all that sugar for why'd you have two bags this week next week you up zero bags. Tell the people what a DBQ is. A document-based question. So for example, discussing the role of the Treaty of Versailles. It's like a lot of like, there's actual historical documents and you have to distribute these per student because they have to mark them up and you have to write essays and analysis and you have to teach the whole process. And like, I used probably 
70 sheets of paper per kid. And it was a several week thing, of course, because it was sixth grade, but like the scarcity, the scarcity of resources is very common. I mean, some schools would count, like you had a code you had to put in so that you would not use too much. And so then like, I mean, I think if you're a teacher, you have adjusted the margins to as wide as they can go. So you can fit as much as you can on a sheet of paper. And then like, there's a push to be digital, but then also to have evidence in your classroom and like artifacts for like when you're <laughs> an observation happens. What I used to have to do that literally I was like, you have to be on drugs telling me that that's the plan is because I went full digital. I used Google Classroom because I received two reams of paper for the year for me and my 130 11th grade social studies students. So I was like, we're using Google Classroom for everything. Nothing can get lost. I can track their progress. The dog didn't eat your paper, whatever. And the district told me I needed to print out every single kid's work so that I could have physical folders in the classroom so that when they came to observe me, they would be able to look at the folders, despite the fact that they were on the Google Drive with all the work and the magic compromise that they told me I should be so grateful that they were being this flexible with me as I was like, I will print out five kids works, one from different periods so that you can look and see what we're doing as an example. Yeah. And they were like, oh, fine. Because I told them, unless you bring me five reams of paper a week and pay me overtime to sit here and print and file hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of papers per week, mm -hmm. that will not be happening, unfortunately. That's incredible. Ugh. Yeah, so like a scarcity mindset, I think is chronic, systemic across the board, not just scarcity of resources, but also scarcity of time. These district people expecting that you can just poof something to happen. Like everything that people conceive of a classroom of their educational experience is built on the overtime of teachers, the unpaid labor of women, especially. Like when I was close to quitting my last job, I joked with my husband, he was like, are you ready to go? Because I was just walking out with my coffee, my keys and my phone. And I was like, yeah, I'm just, my new thing is I just walk in like a man and I walk out like a man. Like I just bring myself in the building. I love that. Just do it like a man. <laughs> no supplies, just vibes. Cause women that are in the teaching field will literally walk in with like a suitcase and three tote bags per day. Yes. And then walk out with a different variation of said bags, me being in that position many times oh i loved a good bag couldn't have enough bags honestly your strategy of teaching like a man maybe that should be the new union strategy you know how we had another guest on i don't remember who it was or what they were talking about but i just remember they said that they're like they weren't allowed to strike so instead of striking everyone was only going to work their contract Bitch, out. that was, was that me you? i said was that you before you said it okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> Once I said it, I heard your voice saying it. But yeah, maybe that should be the new soft quitting strategy is we all teach like men. We have no posters and the feedback on the papers is nothing. We just put a letter grade with no reasoning, no rubric, <laughs> yeah. nothing. A big check mark. We don't answer emails and we just show up in khakis, a polo, and Nikes. Let's do this thing. Guys, we've solved it. Um, no more episodes of Teacher Quit Talk. We're all doing that. We're done. This episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's our advice. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so one thing that you said before that I want to go back to, because I mean, you just spoke straight fire about the scarcity mindset in education. You talked about violence and violent tendencies. And I do want to touch on it just a wee bit, because I know that you mentioned in middle and high school, you know, there's almost nothing done about students who are violent. And I feel like this is something so pervasive in education um, and such a common issue that we have as teachers. I think so much can be done about 
at it at the elementary school level, I mean, that's when we can really make lasting change in these behaviors. It's just not happening. So what were you seeing like at your grade level? So in a middle school level, it was still the testing of boundaries being like, if I pick a fight, what will happen? The security officer will help or a PE teacher is going to jump in, something like that. And then at the high school level, it was sort of like they had found out what the boundary was and they were just like ready to tow it. Like they had found out that mm -hmm. if you fight at school, somebody will intervene. But if you fight that same kid as soon as you get off the bus, then you just get the reputation. You just get the edge or whatever. It was sort of like an aura of I can be violent and get away with it. And I know that really nothing is going to happen. I'm just going to get moved to another classroom, worst case scenario, or I'll just be with the other bad kids. Like they'll all just lump us together. And if they do have an intervention, like I can just fake my way through it and like have to make no actual change. And just kind of the smugness mm -hmm. for me. And it was, and I'm thinking primarily of male students too. And I would see it happen where the parents would encourage it. I mean, I had kids that knew that they couldn't fight in school, so their parents would take them after school to the kid's house and they would threaten to fight the parent the kid would threaten to fight the kid i had parents show up to campus with guns they were like waving them around at the gate it was just modeled for them but there was no element of community intervention there was no element of school intervention but then what happens later it continues and continues that system of like just the, like system of like normalized violence in schools yeah the experience I had with school violence was actually part of the reason I left but not in the way that you think it would the school that I taught at was more of like a school to prison pipeline vibe than like a no consequences vibe yeah my students I never had a fight in my classroom because they knew like if I fight I will not come back to the school tomorrow and my parents will be mad at me and I know exactly what's gonna happen to me because I saw it happen to my friend in ninth grade or whatever so my students really knew like if I want to fight someone I need to do it off campus and I need to do it where a teacher's not gonna see because that's how I'm gonna not get in trouble and I hate that that was normalized but because of that I would never really see anything here about it or experience it firsthand but then I started to notice a change because I taught 11th grade the whole time and then in my last year there which was the 21 to 20 to school year we started having a lot of issues with ninth graders being violent and lots of fights in class and then because some classes are mixed grade level like art and like other electives my students were showing me videos and then telling me about it and they were like I don't know what's wrong with these kids they think you can just fight at school and then I saw the consequences that my first year teaching there it was like if you fight bye no questions asked goodbye and then later like post COVID they were like oh well they've been through a lot and then I started to see the kids go back into the classroom and then I had an experience it was when I was already applying to jobs and already had kind of decided to leave where my friend was walking her class of ninth graders to go get their student IDs made and two kids all the way at the back of the line started kind of like tussling a little bit not in like a dramatic way and I was around the corner so in my mind I was like oh they don't realize a teacher can see them because she's so far ahead so I came around the corner and was like cut it out and I had been used to my 11th graders who as soon as that happened they were like we're fine but these kids kept going and we're like you're not even our teacher and I was like whoa I have never had a child talk to me like and then I started talking to the ninth grade teachers and they were like things are really changing and that's when I saw it was like all right 
I'm used to getting a lot of support with discipline and now I'm seeing that people are not getting support with discipline so I'd rather not experience that firsthand. Mm -hmm. So I was pregnant with my first daughter and there was actually three teachers on our hall that were pregnant with like one month apart due dates and it was just like this little community of pregnant people. It was cute. I miss them so much but we had to communicate about where we were and we're not safe because there were students who would just be assholes about it and be like miss so-and-so is pissing me off and I'm gonna kick her in the stomach. I thought that was like a unique experience that I had but since I talked about it on TikTok I have been like broken hearted at how many teachers their lives and their babies lives have been threatened and it's just like yeah what the fuck it's a pregnant person like oh yeah I cannot conceive that that was it for me like honestly behaviors could have been what they were but what I could not wrap my mind around was the number of times that I was physically harmed while so visibly fucking pregnant I could not grasp it I had teachers who thought they were helping some veteran teachers who subbed in my room I think at the beginning of the year people didn't realize the depth of what was going on but when those veteran teachers came into my room and subbed for me and then I came back and they were like oh it's not just because you're 30 it's because shit's bad so they would tell my kids do you know what happens when a pregnant person is so stressed out and they would tell my third graders that my child was going to die in my womb and then the kids would keep doing what they were doing but then on top of it when something would happen they would then be like miss is your baby gonna die miss if your baby dies will you come to school tomorrow immediately because they're simultaneously petrified of abandonment because they are traumatized but also unable to stop themselves from this behavior that they're displaying that veteran teacher saying that to my class was never going to help developmentally wildly inappropriate but like kids would fight around my belly and I was like they're like alright we've leveled up she gave us an extra challenge to fight they were watching inappropriate things on their chromebook and I took their chromebook so they slammed my fingers in a cabinet I had kids fighting on the steps around me it was crazy crazy. Nothing that schools are doing right now is truly addressing the trauma of these students and it's also not modifying their behavior in any meaningful way. They're getting these punitive consequences. Just what my students experienced like before I kind of noticed that change. You get in a fight and then your consequence does not teach you anything, is not rehabilitative at all. You get sent to a school with less support, with more independent work, more opportunities of free time to get in arguments with people and then a ton of those kids just end up dropping out even though my classroom was shielded from violence that doesn't make it the model of what we need to do because I think there's a lot of people in education who are like kids didn't used to act like this we need to go back to this really punitive system when that's not what a lot of us are saying we can be doing better because the punitive system may protect the classroom environment more but it's not protecting every student involved in this scenario at all it takes more effort when you're looking at trauma-informed practices and restorative justice which if anybody listening doesn't know what I'm talking about, like go down that rabbit hole for real. There's so many just lists it's a great place to start. I don't know what you feel, Maggie, but so much of what we're seeing in schools could be fixed if we just take the extra time to do behavior modification that's going to address the issues rather than squash the behavior. Suppression is not rehabilitation. We're not healing anyone. Like the consequences we're doing, if we're even doing them, they don't cause healing. They just shift away from the problem and kind of just like put a band-aid on it. I mean, the hard question we're building up to is that our schools are 
organizationally flawed. If you are in a building with a thousand people, two thousand people, class sizes that are unsustainable, you don't have time to do curriculum, much less restorative justice. That is a very emotional labor. It's a very skilled labor. And if we can't even execute our daily tasks, how can we execute something so complex? Yeah. When I was put in the third grade classroom, I was hired specifically for my background in restorative justice and restorative practices. I mean, it's something that I'm very passionate about. However, I think there are principals and administrators who hear that and say, oh, this person's going to fix all of our problems when it has to be a cultural shift of the school. It has to be throughout every classroom. It has to be in PD. It takes time and it's emotional labor, like you said, but there has to be buy-in from those teachers who are from the 90s and remember being able to push a kid. It also takes staff. I feel like that's one thing that often gets overlooked is like they'll hire someone like yourself that has this great experience, but no matter how skilled you are, you cannot effectively do restorative conversations when you're watching your entire classroom by yourself. No. Like if you're not going to create the conditions for this to happen like I would have the same thing of build a relationship and I was like can someone watch the other ones so I can build right when am I going to build this relationship right hello I mean we're only one person I can't do it if you give me 12 kids on behavior plans you can't look at someone and say oh they have this background they know what to do let me give them everyone who I think they could help that doesn't work and we're not ready for that conversation because we get funding into public schools and we pack those fucking classrooms we underpay teachers and we rely on free labor to get shit done like it would take such a systemic overhaul and this kind of gets closer to the question of like what would it take to come back i would have to be able to walk back into a healthy system there are countries where there are no school shootings where you don't need to heal from trauma because you have trauma in the first place there are countries where this is happening where teachers are paid appropriately where students are in buildings that are designed for them they're not just hand me down old shitty stuff in the 60s like it is possible. It's the whole argument of if he wanted to, he would. If they fucking wanted to, they would. Like, it's this way by design. And I can't walk back into that because why would I bring myself into a traumatic situation? Like, I finally listened when schools were doing like, what's your self-care practices? My self-care is walking away at this point because you're not going to care for me in a school. Right. The U.S. Department of Education is the ultimate fuckboy, and if he wanted to, he would. If he wanted to, he would. I'm so glad that we're here in this space having this conversation and that other educators are hopefully listening in their car or wherever nodding their head along because we can I hope that we will but until we really dive into what it means to make a school a healthy environment for teachers we're not going to get there because if we're just talking about student health all the time it so quickly goes into data based on standardized tests. You're like, you actually don't need the standardized tests because the kid is right there and we could just ask them how they're doing. Yeah, or we could look at their teacher in the front of the room who's running around like a chicken with their head cut off. What the fuck is the environment that we're being expected to be perfect little teachers in? It's bananas in there. I wish that everybody had to go in and teach in a classroom. I saw a tweet or maybe a TikTok. I don't know what I saw, but someone was like, substitute teacher should be like jury duty yeah. one day you just get called yeah. i 
wish it was. Yeah. They should do that in your state redacted. They should, honestly. I know I've talked about it in so many episodes, but every day it makes me laugh that they were like, oh, veterans who don't have a degree, you can also be teachers now. And the veterans who don't have a degree were like, I'm good. Yeah. They're like, that. Florida really thought they came up with something. They were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get this flood of people. They want to continue their service of America. And veterans are like, no, you fucked us up the first time we gave you our lives. We're not going yeah. <laughs> dance back. They were like, the first time I got free college tuition and this time you're giving nothing. So why would, why would I sign back up? So bad. But I mean, so bad. I, it's like so weird. I don't know what's wrong with me that I have hope at the same time that things are so dismal. Maybe that's the part of me that still wants to be a teacher when I grow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be a cowboy when I grow up. And you can. I really do think that there is things that can be done, but we have to hit rock bottom. And yes. apparently we're not there yet, which is also scary. <laughs> you know that scene in Bridesmaids where the um, mom is like, you just have to hit your rock bottom. This is your rock bottom it's only up from here and then later she gets fired and loses her apartment and moves back in with her mom and is like so that was actually not the bottom that's the u.s education system right now how low can you go oh always lower it turns out i was just wondering maggie what you think where where do we go what do we do a little timeline whenever i talk about this idea on tiktok people go oh you're a doomsdayer and a naysayer i'm like yes that is correct you're in good company here like and i'm right yeah what else are we So here's my doom saying and nay saying is that we have another massive wave at the end of this year of teacher resignations. And then in the coming two to three years, the people who normally would have stayed past the retirement eligibility age, they're like, fuck this. And they're leaving the moment they can. And at the same time, we're not replacing them. Gen Z has read the room. They understand that teaching is not a field to go into right now. So they're not going to enter teaching. And so we're just going to have poor little millennials and Gen X trying to like carry this sinking ship and what's going to happen is we're going to be forced to go to like auditorium style learning kind of like some people experienced this during the height of the pandemic like chromebooks and zombies is what's going to happen the people who have the resources to do so will pull their kids out of school and enter this privatized world where they're also going to find out the grass is not greener on the other side that shit is unregulated (laughs) that is like tj maxx essential oils like it is just not a good place to be in it's at best equal also worse and then that's not going to go so well that's going to shift into the chromebook model and the people who are teaching online that stuff's going to be recorded and there's already ai in asia where they're using an ai teacher it's a real person but they're creating simulations for her engagement. We're just kind of going to slide down that slope until enough parents, it's going to have to impact parents. And parents are going to be like, my kid is not prepared for life, not for the workforce, not for anything. And once parents start making a scene, that's the only time terror will trickle up and then money will start to trickle back down. And I don't think that's going to happen for five to eight years. That's when the bells are going to start ringing and then policy change can't happen for another three years after that. So I'm saying like a decade from now, the tides might turn, but it's not looking good. Not looking good at all. I have a very similar doomsday timeline mine is all the way the same except I think my doomsday is actually worse so everyone buckle in I don't think parents will be enough because our government will only care about wealthy parents and at the end of the day wealthy people will always have access to high quality education for their children I think it will take a mass illiteracy crisis that is affecting companies ability to hire enough employees where we have a labor shortage due to illiteracy not due to lack of people and then the government's gonna have to be forced to make 
public schools better because so many adults will be illiterate and unable to participate in the workforce. You're right, though. The whole reason we do schools the way we do is because of capitalism. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Fuck him. That was the plan the whole time. Yep. Schools are built on capitalism and around capitalism and for capitalism. And what you were mentioning about how Gen Z has seen it's not it and isn't going into teaching, I've seen that, but I've also seen Gen Z going into teaching, but with an extremely high turnover rate and using just scripted curriculum. And I think it's shifting to that model as well. Well, because what else are you going to do? Like you are a new teacher in this insane environment. Yeah. And you have to lean on scripted curriculum. Well, that's what I mean is like districts have such bad teacher retention that the district is requiring scripted curriculum because they're not putting in the effort to train their new teachers to write lesson plans. So it's just cheaper to fire everyone every two years and use a script. Right. Totally. But it also is easier for teachers to use the script because when I'm dealing with my kids punching the shit out of each other and getting up and running around the classroom and I have a kid in the corner with his backpack on his head every day, I have kids screaming at me in the front row of my rug. I have to teach, but how do I tailor my instruction to my students when I can't even get a breath? I'm drowning. Last year, I, as a fourth year teacher, was heavily relying on scripted curriculum because I didn't know what else to freaking do. Who knew this was going to turn into a capitalistic episode? I love that. Are there any other like big glaring problems that you noticed in more than one school, more than one district? Anything that like stood out to you that you want to share problem wise? It's a really enlightening and uplifting episode. The single biggest thing is the overworking of teachers, like the forced burnout trajectory that we're on. The the absolute demand that a good teacher is somebody who just empties herself. That's the single biggest thing. So I want to hear about what you're doing now, what you're up to, what you're researching, all the things. Sure. Academically, I am finishing a class that I took an incomplete in last semester when I had an existential crisis. Mood. So I just like basically ran myself into the ground and I was like, I need to take an incomplete on this. And then my professor was like, also I'm retiring. So I'm really just fumbling my way through the dark on this. We have in academia world and PhD world, the blossoming excited student and then the phase of fuck around and find out. And then the phase after that I didn't even know existed is what's the worst that can happen? And that's my mentality now. So I'm finishing my papers for that class. And then I have one more research class and then I start my comps, my comprehensive exams, and then my dissertation. So at this time next year, I should be writing my dissertation. And my studies are in teacher attrition, which is quitting. And particularly I study invested leavers, which is people who gave more than three years. A lot of them had a master's degree. They started out teaching being like, I want to be teacher my whole life. I fucking love this. This is what I want to do. And if those people are leaving, that is a canary in the mind. People like us, if we are walking, why did we walk? What does that mean? And if the right people can listen to what that means, then we can make systemic change. I don't know if I want to fight that fight, but maybe I do. So that's what part of my research is in. And then also like I'm dabbling in teacher identity and teacher grief because PTSD and trauma is really, 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 really real. And we need more research on that. The brain inside my skull is ready to be researched. If you want to research teacher PTSD, I got plenty. And I don't know how to research that because it's such a new thing because it's icky and taboo to talk about it because we don't want to admit that we've used and abused teachers because if there's trauma and someone has been traumatized and someone has been the abuser. There's a lot of gaslighting going on too. And I think people think trauma and PTSD are very big words. Like are teachers really experiencing that? And I would say yes. Oh, I'm deeply traumatized. Like to the point that I talked to a therapist and I was like, but I definitely don't have PTSD. 
PTSD and she laughed because she literally thought I was joking. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I, it's just literally so obvious. I thought you already knew that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard, to, but it's hard to accept that. And I think it's also like comes with this weirdness, at least what I've experienced is like blaming yourself for your PTSD because you're like, I should have known to get out of that sooner. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. Then you end up re-traumatizing yourself based on like overthinking your previous behaviors and things. Like it literally just has the hallmark of PTSD across the board that anyone would recognize that has any background in that. So I think it's just shocking that the department, not shocking, but disappointing that the Department of Education is like, me? Nah, could not be me. When like, it's just, there's so much evidence. It's, it's so much. Yeah, it's just gross. It, yeah. And we really thought for some reason that Jill Biden was going to help us because she should know what we're going through. But we were so naive and stupid to think we were going to get help. We believe. Look, look at me doing the thing again, blaming myself. I know. Well, this has been a very dark episode. Needed to happen. The lights are off. It's scary in here. You do work for my favorite company, so I would love to hear about your experience there if you would like to share it. Absolutely. I love Costco. I've loved Costco since I was a child. I grew up in an area with lots of Costcos, and then when we moved out here, um, which is a sort of rural area, but it's near my university, um, we moved out here to do my PhD, and I was like crushed because we didn't have a Costco. There was another warehouse in this town, but it wasn't a Costco. There's nothing like a Costco when they're like, oh, but they have... Out. Yeah. If it's not Costco, I'm not going. Right. So I immediately applied. I love working at Costco. And some people are like, ew, how can you work for like a big corporation? And I was like, I am treated with more dignity and respect by a multi-billion dollar company than I ever was as a teacher. My quality of life is much higher. My benefits, they are better. Everything about my day is better because I work at Costco. Let's not pretend that education is not a multi-billion dollar corporation itself. So like if you work for a corporation, you might as well work for a good one yeah. that is like functional. It's the only company's name I've ever said that I work for. Like I'm I'm vague about other details, but I will be like, I work for Costco and I adore it. Like if Costco asked me to work overtime unpaid, I probably would say yes. <laughs> the reason we love them is because they wouldn't even ask. Right. They'd be like, your overtime pay, why would it be any different? Yeah. Thank you so much. And I do respect Costco. I have noticed Costco does have a really good reputation for the way that they treat their employees and the structures that they have in place and things like that. Costco is one of my favorite examples of like, you don't have to choose between profitability and treating your employees well because Costco is extremely profitable and extremely successful and has some of the highest employee satisfaction rates and employees stay at Costco for a very long time. Yeah, there's cashiers at Costco who will retire with full benefits and make $55,000 a year as a cashier. You don't have to have a college degree to do that. The general manager of my store, he started pushing carts seasonally and now he is a millionaire. And these are people who will stop their day to help you in any department. Like I've seen people in my building who are millionaires cutting meat, pushing carts, helping every member, knowing people by name. It's a good version of Undercover Boss, except for it's not undercover. He's just that great. I love Costco, man. Like I just love it. It's just great. Like it's great for shoppers. It's great for employees. We should have filmed this from a Costco parking lot. Oh my God. Change your name to a Costco parking lot. I'm going to make that my alt account name. Is there any Anything else that you want to add? Anything that you want to share with the people before we close out? If I could speak directly to any teacher who is even on the fence, I would want you to envision what is your quality of life like? Where could you be in a year from now? 
and like any good teacher, start some backwards design. Know where your, your end goal is and work your way towards that. It's fucking scary. Quitting your job is really scary. I can't imagine though what my life would be like if I had stayed. And I look at videos and pictures of myself and read journal entries and I'm so sad for who I was. I'm not gonna say who I let myself become because I'm not gonna gaslight myself, but it breaks my heart that I stayed for as long as I did. And I deserve a quality of life and so do you. And it is not your fault for the system being the way that it is. And if you think about, oh, I don't wanna leave the kids or they won't be able to replace me, that's not your fault either. The district's job is to incentivize this position. And if they can't do that, you are not doing a disservice to the kids. Have the same care for yourself that you do for your students. And that might mean being really courageous and doing something big and scary. But a year from now, six months from now, you will be so happy. And I want to give you a hug. I want to hug you too. That's how I feel. Should we have a group hug? Let's have a convention, but we just hug each other. I really want to hug. I know. Me too. I will say like just stepping away to stay home and be with my daughter. I feel worlds better. When you think to yourself, I would be okay if I got in a fender bender this morning because I wouldn't have to go to work. Or I would rather have COVID than go to school today. There is something deeply wrong with that and that is not normal thinking yeah if you have ever looked over a covid test and been hoping for a positive like that's the wake up call moment that's where you're like let's reframe yes look in the mirror i was relieved when i went into labor three weeks early because it meant that i got out of teaching earlier and they were like where's your sub plans i was like my baby came early you're like that's crazy good luck yeah that's so messed up um what else get on linkedin I hate LinkedIn, but I know that it's a powerful place. Shit happens on LinkedIn and you need to be there. Also, just on an unrelated LinkedIn note, I hate LinkedIn, but it's one of my favorite social medias to lurk on because people are fucking crazy. People are so weird on LinkedIn. Like if you read people's posts, they're like, was just writing this email and got so emotional. I'm like, relax. Or they'll be like, every day I wake up at 4 a.m. and cold call for six hours before I start my work day. Like, LinkedIn is unhinged. So teach like a man, work at Costco, and lurk on LinkedIn. Those are the takeaways. Nobody can understand what a teacher is going through like another teacher. And nobody can call the shit out like teachers who are no longer in the classroom. That's why I want to have teachers on here that are not in the classroom. Because teachers who are in the classroom are like, oh, I can't say that. But I want to talk some shit. We're here and we're talking shit. Maggie, thank you so much for being with us. I loved hearing your insight, especially because you have been in multiple districts, multiple grades, multiple schools. So you cannot say, oh, it was just one admin. It was one school. It was one environment. No, it's the whole damn thing. It is. And then you researched it and brought it to us to validate the way we were already feeling. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm going to start talking more about research. I do have a podcast as well. Mine's called Bad Teachers Club because we just don't even pretend over there. I'm so glad you thought of that name and simultaneously so mad I didn't. Yeah, that's a L we just took. I'm going to do more <laughs> episodes on like actual research and just be like, nerd alert, this is going to be research heavy and just talking about the validation. You know, like you feel traumatized because you were traumatized. Like you feel feel like you're going to burn out and pass out and would rather test positive for COVID because your environment is really fucked up. So yeah, I, I am going to talk about it more there. I'd love to talk to you guys about it if you want to in the future. Yeah. And I'm just so glad we all got to talk and meet on here. Me too.
This was amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Tell the people where they can find you. Okay, so I talk a lot on TikTok. My name there is at Millennial Miss Frizz. And then I have a podcast, Bad Teachers Club, and that's on Spotify and I think iTunes. I don't know. It's it's on the internet. And then I don't really use Instagram, but I have that. And you can email me. I love it when people email me low-key. I will email everyone back. Um, it's just Millennial Miss Frizzle at Gmail. And I love talking to teachers. Check the spelling of millennial before you type it because uh, I definitely can't spell that word. Hit it with the voice to text maybe. Ooh. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope you have a great evening or day. If you're driving to work, you'll get through it. And if you don't, we'll have you on the podcast. Yep. <laughs> and bye-bye. Bye. We love ya. We love you guys. Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district. Yeah, leave her alone.